This is One on One with Jasper Cole, Hollywood's bad guy, and so much more. Actor, talent manager, producer, and more. Now he's sitting down with today's top newsmakers from entertainment, politics, pop culture, and beyond. This is One on One with Jasper Cole. Woohoo! All right. Howdy, howdy, howdy. And welcome to One on One with Jasper Cole. This is your host, Mr. Jasper Cole, and we are coming to you live from Temple Bay Studios right here in Holly Weird, California. Everyone, please go to social media. We're begging. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter. It is Jasper Cole Says, S-A-Y-S. And you can go to my website, jaspercole.com, and there's a link to one-on-one with Jasper Cole. Facebook, Jasper Cole. There's entirely too much Jasper Facebook. We would be sitting here. Yeah. So that, that amazing voice you're hearing is Napa Know How. Why should you buy a 99 cent Napa bag? Because it's no ordinary bag. It can save you 20% on three or more items you can fit inside. Some call that magic. Others say it's the eighth wonder of the world. But whatever it is, it's the best way to save you 20% on brakes, filters, wipers, and more. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores, while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-19. It's our very special guest today. First of all, I have been a fan of this actor for many, many years, both in TV and film, but especially in the local L.A. theater scene over the last... 35 years. million years. Since the last century. <laughs> <laughs> I'm even more excited because he is now a uh, member of the Newman-Thomas management family. You guys are going to know him from hundreds of TV and film credits, but please welcome veteran character actor, Mr. Daryl Larson. Hey, buddy. Hey. hey. How, How are you? you? Hey, and Karen Jensen in Gillette, oh. Wyoming. Karen. Hi. Gillette, Wyoming. Yeah. I bet that's a beautiful place. <sighs> Apparently. Yeah. Have you been? <laughs> I've been to Wyoming. I haven't been to Do Gillette. you remember? Yeah. I, <laughs> oh, man. You know me too. Well. I mean, you were there, but that doesn't mean you were actually oh, there. God. No, I remember, yeah. Yeah. you know, patches yeah. of it. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. an honor to have you here. Well, thank, thank you so you, much. Man. I'm so glad our paths have recrossed after yeah. many, many years. I. Uh, the fact that you saw all seven... I did. Coyotes. Yes. That just blows my mind. Tell everyone what that Coyote is. Coyote was a, a project that uh, <clears throat> went on for nine years, actually, at the Padua Hills Playwrights Festival and Workshop out in um, Padua. San Bernardino, uh, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the piece we made with Murray Mednick and Norbert Weiser, uh, we made a d- the next chapter every year. Each summer. And it was based on Native American stories. All tribes have coyote stories. Yeah. Coyote's an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Thus, uh, you know, he's got this triple animal, human, divine nature, but he's a total screw up. Screw up. Constantly falling into his own shit. And that was perfect for him. I was going to say. Uh, and how did you get that? No. Well, yeah. but And so it was more or less written yeah. to get, I mean, Murray wrote it, but we did a lot of improv and we built this piece, seven plays that then we did uh, all in one night from dusk till dawn. This was amazing. Outside. Yeah. And you can see it in smaller chunks, but the real way to do it was, you know, to... You've got to make a night, day of it, night every, of it. Yeah, dust it on. Yeah. We're going to get somewhere. And we did. Yeah. Uh, so it's become, rightfully so, legendary. Well, and it actually just took off. I mean, each, yeah. I, I'm sure the first... Who came up with the whole idea of staging it that way, of doing this dust to dawn? Was it always conceived? Well, that- we, Padua began, and I was reading a book called Trickster, which is somebody's, you know, thesis. Right. Paul Radin, his name was. And it was all these uh, uh, Northwestern uh, tribes, their, their coyote stories, which were um, special. Right. And so I was reading this thing, and it, it, I just was loving it. And there was something about finding the place, being in the place where you are. Mm-hmm. And now we're at this theater festival or we Murray kind of said okay we're going to do this I brought the actors he brought the playwrights there we are (laughs) Um, so we knew we wanted to do a piece about 
finding the place, being in the place. Wow. And the exercises came out of that from Carlos Castaneda. Nobody's going to know who that is, but Google we'll it. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> you kids. Uh, and we did this piece, and it was so good. I mean, good in the sense of everybody was moved and 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 sort of elevated, mm-hmm. and we we were there, and the people sitting on the ground, and it was for real. And at the end of it, uh, uh, we, what we did was kind of split this coyote trickster figure into these two people, twins who are not twins, and that's a fundamental motif right in the twins made the world and so we but we're the same person mm-hmm. so I, he came up out of the ground literally keep in mind we're outside and right. people are sitting on the ground he burst up out of the earth i fall i jumped out of a tree uh, i fall from the sky right uh which i broke various <laughs> that's your method over so the whatever, years yeah uh and in, in any case, then we would battle for who's who's the real person. And that had to do with this finding of a spot and and sort of bringing up out of the earth a sound and a movement that you could concentrate on. And then the other guy would watch when your concentration went off. <laughs> and point. Point. Like it was a like it was a it's duel. A duel. Yeah. And that went on for seven plays. But after the first one, Norbert and I went to Murray said, all we want to do for the rest of our lives are your plays, <laughs> man. Your stuff, yeah. And he already said, okay, it's going to be seven plays. It'll be a cycle. Wow. And from then on, every summer, people knew it. Right, they were expecting and it. And so a tribe gathered. And then we took it to Santa Fe. And mm-hmm. San, we took it to Santa Fe. So there were tribes in these various places. Wow. So the first time we did an all-nighter was in Santa Fe. Wow. And uh, it, during the sec- the sixth play, it snowed. So <laughs> people really... Boy, that's had, what I'm thinking. You had to put up with the weather, you know. People had to really be there yeah. with us or we, we would fall apart. So c- clearly, theater has been your yeah. love from day one, yeah. right? Tell yeah. everybody where this love of acting started for you. In, in, I high, mean, in, in high, high school. school. And you mentioned recently you went to your 50th yeah, man. high school reunion. <laughs> oh, so. What a peak experience. But the, we had no theater Right, we had some of us knew we were fascinated with it, and so we did five plays while I was there. Wow, um, musicals or just straight plays? Str- well, we well, did I mean, Noel Coward. Yeah. We did uh, David and Lisa. I don't wow. know if you remember that. Yeah, wow. And that was intense. That yeah. particular production, and it spread to people who weren't really into theater, mm-hmm. but who wanted to go through this experience right. with us, and. That one, a lot of things came out of that. That, um, and this is in Sacramento. Sacramento, and you know, from then on, well, actually, in sixth grade, (laughs) my teacher came to me and said, Well, we're going to do a um, Christmas carol. And you have the loudest voice in the school. (laughs) So, So I want you to be Scrooge. Right. And Which is the best part? Really. Of course it is. Uh, and but here's a, my first line in anything anywhere. Cratchit, put that wood back. <laughs> now I have it down now, man. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but so so then it was. You were just you've been bitten by the bug. I knew it was even. It was like finding myself, mm-hmm. like finding where my tribe. Right. Lived. Right. And I started doing theater in the children's theater and just walking in the place and went, ah. Oh, I talk about that sometimes where um, yeah. I explain how not, not TV or film, but a theater, especially yeah. like right before the show, like when you go out yeah. and sit in the audience. Or there's, I can't explain that. If you, I don't know. Actors listening know if yeah, you do exactly. theater or what just an is. empty theater or, but, you know. But by the time when I got here, and I was I went to UCLA in sixty eight to be a filmmaker because um, it had expanded that far. I mean, watching these people, Fred Astaire mm. and James Dean and Montgomery Clift and Barbara Stanwyck, and just these people, I went. That's where I want to be. Right. I know it's imaginal. Right. But it's also real because those are real people doing this. That's where I want to be, and. So once I got here, I started 
working almost I know. immediately. You were lucky. Yeah, I realize well, I mean, now. Luck, but you, that's, it was part of your journey. It's part of what the, was supposed to happen. The very first guy I met, famous person, sort of, was Sal Minio. Mm. He was directing a play wow. called Fortune, Fortune in Men's, in Men's Eyes. Eyes. And I went down to audition. Was it here on Santa Monica? Was it? Well, yes, yeah, the rehearsal. Well, it was at the Coronet. Oh, but, oh, But the Marciana. auditions okay. were at the Met on Poinsettia. Oh, wow. Room, yeah, yeah. Which years later, you know, I'm part of the rebirth Birth of that. The, the Met, Met Theater. Theater. Yeah. Everything in my life goes full circle wow. all over. So over. you met Sal. So, <laughs> I mean, what? Wow. I, it says there, he's directing it. He'll be there? So I just went, you know, I'm in the dorm. <laughs> in Westwood? <laughs> and I'd been, uh, yeah. literally just fell off the turnip truck. I mean, I was, I'd done plays in high school. Right. I went down and auditioned, and he said, what's your experience? I said, plays in high school? And he went, no, come on. I said, no, no, that's all I've ever done. And he kept bringing me back. And he, he, was, he would say every once in a while, so <laughs> what's your background? <laughs> uh, but Don Johnson got the part, oh. who had done a lot of work already. Mm-hmm. And he you guys asked, were similar. Yeah. Looks and, and, and stuff. We were, yeah. uh, as the years went by, I mean, he was... Um, he had he had a, a vibe from the beginning. Mm. He was a star. Yeah, like a, the it quality. <sighs> yeah, and he was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! You know, and he had done. He had a. He was in a thing with a musical version of As You Like It. Okay, it was up in San Francisco. Been a hit. So you so know, he already had a little he buzz had a vibe, about it. Yeah. yeah, and he he could handle it. And there was no way I get raped on stage and stuff. And it's a lot. Yeah, and and Sal was so kind, but he said, "Okay, I want you to. Um, I, we're going to get into a little bit of an area here." He he said, "I want you to audition. I mean, to understudy." And so I, I hung around, and as, when it opened at the opening night party, he I saw him kind of like this, pick me up, walked over, and he said, "You know what? You're not ready for this." This place, this scene, will eat you mm. up, and it, and the whole, that will decide who you are. Right, and especially I knew what he meant. Right, that that I'd be on that team. Right, <laughs> <laughs> but but he knew from our conversations that I was on all the teams. Right, and I always had been. Right, and. You know, I don't want to have to choose. That's to me, that's utter nonsense. Right, and for me particularly, it would have been a kind of death, mm-hmm. and it would have haunted me. Right, it would have made me sick. Because we were saying earlier that we were laughing in a way not, but the whole non-binary, yeah, yeah, it's gender fluid, around, everything is. I was, but Daryl was, Daryl was, <laughs> was sharing that you know, even back in high school, back in in the day, yeah, yeah, you were well, junior high, junior high, and and all. But I knew about. I mean, everybody knew about Rock Hudson. Right. So I don't know how that happened, but everybody knew. Yeah. And I, you look at Montgomery Cliff and you go, wow. Yeah. I get where. Now, he was bisexual. In other words, he, he dug women, older right. women. Yeah. He dug them physically and in every mm-hmm. way. But he dug men. Right. I mean, it came to be that the two men I was closest to in Hollywood were Jack Larson and J- James Bridges, Bridges yeah. Jim Bridges, who were my... Protectors, mentors, or mentors, surrogate dads. Um, I mean, they took care of me, and, and Jim wrote roles for me. Right, and uh, and you know, I was very close to Jack until he died in '87. I mean, at the '87 years, two years ago. Um, but the thing is, um, Jack's first boyfriend was Montgomery Clift. Yeah. So, you know, I heard these endless, wonderful deep, soulful stories about Monty and found, felt like I knew him. But all those guys, Cary Grant, mm-hmm. you look at him and you go, okay, come on. Right. Everybody wants to, as he said, everybody wants to be Cary Grant. <laughs> Even I want to be Cary Grant, he said. <laughs> the, the Cary Grant, that's, yeah. Yeah. It, it's a, it, but you could also see that he was fluid. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I got older and started reading about him and stuff, Randolph Scott, was the love of his life. Right. And 
and as it turns out, show business, actors are pay. What our gig is is to have compassion and understanding and a commitment to everybody. Everybody, like Tennessee Williams says, nothing human disgusts me. Right. Mm pretty beautiful yeah and, and to my peril i found that out because i want to know right and uh it as they say is sometimes led to some horror. but it's interesting how the universe puts you i mean it's yeah. no yeah. joke or coincidence you would meet jack and jim or right. salminio right. who was by i guess yeah. by right yeah or, Gay, yeah. but definitely well, by. I mean, if you read Michael Michaud's yeah, book, I hey, did. Michael. Yeah, uh, I love Michael. Yeah, me too. I adore yeah. him. He just helped me do my taxes. <laughs> and I needed yeah. help. I was in such bad trouble. But that's a side thing. But yeah, Sal, he said, you got, I want you to go home. I want mm-hmm. you to go to the dorm. I, want, I don't want this thing to chew you up and make your, own, make your decision. Because he'd been that. He had yeah. been in his own path. That's right. right. And on Broadway, yeah. you know, as a kid. And it, it isn't that he, it was dictated to him, but uh, when I was, you know, watched Rebel Without a Cause one night, you could see this character is a gay character, mm-hmm. Plato. It's not the end and be all of no. Sal, but it, this character was one of the <clears throat> first times that it, an an overtly gay character in a leading role was depicted. Right. And the love between the three of them. Yeah. And she drove me insane, Natalie Hollywood. <laughs> as Marjorie Morningstar, uh, in that scene in the bathtub with, <laughs> and she's thinking back about being with Beatty. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you can say it. Well, why not? It's, why? You can say whatever. I, I got a Woody. I mean, I, I went the first time in my, I went, I'm looking at her and I suddenly go, what? Whoa, <laughs> this is good. You know, uh, uh, from just watching right. uh, uh, somebody in a bathtub. In a bathtub. Now you put all three of them together. Yeah. And phew, it's a perfect triangle. And we un- you understand yeah. the law of three in this right. sense. Right, right. That that's in some sense strongest. Mm-hmm. So, so you yeah. you you sort of had this appetite for everything, even as a kid, right? Like you kind of that's oh, yeah, been your yeah. personality from yeah, yeah. from the from the beginning, which makes you this great actor too, because well, you, you are open to everything and you yeah. want to be like a sponge and yeah, bring and, it all in. And, and right from my first gig, which was Marcus Welby, and it, which. Because you ended up with a great re- relationship with Robert, Robert Young. Young and and Cloris Leachman and Bill Schaller, they're in it, and and a woman I still know quite well, Lee Purcell. Uh, uh, she was the lead in it, actually. It was the character it was about her experience, but after almost like my first close up, Cloris was there, and she started applauding. That uh, don't happen. No. And I was so moved. And I, she said, you, you know how to do this. And I was literally 18 or something. So I got a lot of that kind of support mm-hmm. for what I already understood but didn't know I did. Right. And somehow I knew from the beginning, you, if you want to be looked at, you got to reveal. Right. And so that was my path. Well, take us back a little <laughs> bit. How did you go from... That for did you get an agent right away? How did you get your first TV gig? Like, what was the a guy named Bo Wilson, mm-hmm. who some people remember, who ran the talent division at Universal? Okay, this was the last studio that st- that had that still it. had the contract. Yes, contract players, <clears throat> and he didn't put me on a contract because by then it was dying out. Anyway. Right, and you got paid 120 bucks a week, but you knew you were going to get paid. Right, you know, um, and it, it he said. It, I don't think that's the way you should go anyway, but I worked constantly at Universal. Wow. It was like the graduate, my graduate school of film right. acting. And he saw to that. And then that led to Gunsmoke and Bonanza and, uh, oh you know, God, these those, great shows, all the classic shows. shows. And I got to work with all these <clears> people that I'd seen. Bill Bixby. Mm. I played his son wow. in a really cool movie that some people are bringing up again. It's called Congratulations, It's mm. Boy. And it, the plot was a, I turned up at his doorstep and said, I think you're my dad. I'm like 18. Right. And he slams the door on my face. <laughs> and a few minutes later, because of 
what? And I say, here, do you remember this girl? And I got this picture of my mom. And he went, yes. And we formed a relationship. And he didn't know. No. Yeah. He didn't know he had a son. Well, just, so you were playing young for a long time, right? Because well, you, look you looked so young. Yeah. And, but, you know, I got to work with, I was going to say, Ann Southern. Right. And Jack Albertson and Eve Arden. And, Classics. And Robert Young himself and all these people who, as a kid, little kid. Right. Father knows best. Father knows best. And here he is caring about me. And he was a great guy, right? Fantastic person. Right. Deep. It's one of the times where characters that he played sort of were a lot of who he was in real life. I just saw a film that was the follow-up to Claudia, which had been a big hit with North, Dorothy mm -hmm. McGuire. They had a real vibe. Sort of like William Powell and Myrna Loy, except uh -huh. a little straighter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, well, they didn't drink all the time, for right. one thing. Um, anyway, uh, watching it, it is, it, it is his sort of sense of decency. Mm -hmm. And humanity, and he he would go to a place that the script didn't necessarily require. <clears throat> um, but here was the thing too that he wasn't he was religious, but not in a you know preachy like, way. Or... No, but he, every morning, every day before we started work, there would be a moment of silence, and everybody would stand there and just gather themselves. Wow, and that was him. Can you imagine that today? Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, well, honestly, I, I don't, I wouldn't th dismiss that at all because I think there are. I know I'm saying the fact that yeah. wouldn't it be great? I think that could happen. It may be happening. I don't know. You know, for, for, for younger listeners or whatever, he always, I would think today it's more of a Tom Hanks. I'm but, thinking of actors yeah. that are, you know, that you feel yeah. safe with. They yeah. bring that sort of grounded fatherly. Yeah. Tom Hanks is that sort of. I remember when Tom Hanks was a wild guy. Was he as a wild guy? Well, I mean, Our bosom friend. buddies. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and and uh, what was that thing about uh, stand-up with Sally Field? Oh, yeah. That was yeah. one of the first times oh, you really emerged. That was a great... He's got a... He's got a wild... Or that's back actually... Then, I forgot was, about that one, yeah. He could... Anything could happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, I think you have to have that danger mm -hmm. to get as big as as mean that much to people well what do you look looking back now I, and i always say this i don't know how you feel about this but i tell actors you know i think when we're young we, we're always thinking when we make it like we're gonna <laughs> make it and the big breaks and yeah. i always say well you if i could do anything over again i uh, wish when i look back i was aware that i was making it right as it was happening but you know the problem is when we we're young we can't we want everything right now, and we think it's going to look a certain way. Yes. And yeah. I mean, the fact that I'm still doing what I said right. to do, come on. But I've also, you know, had real fallow periods. Sure. And taught. I taught at Columbia University. Yeah, for 12, 12, 12 years. 12 years. Uh, I've, I've taught all over, and I love to teach. Right. I'm on a break right now. <laughs> uh, but I love to teach mm -hmm. and I can teach. And a lot of the people that were my students are now friends. Right. They stayed in touch with me. Yeah. And that way of relating to the art of it, I think there's an element of acting that's sacred. Mm -hmm. And I can impart that in a way that's not like pompous and bull. Right. I know, right. As I say it right now, it's like, oh, come on, what a cornball. But I do believe it. And I believe it has. Uh, storytelling, mm -hmm. is, the narrative, is what keeps us human, right? And what helps us to be more and more human, right? Um, so, not that I want to give up animal, or <laughs> some aspiration to a kind uh -huh. of divine understanding, right? Um, whatever that is. Again, it's. I don't mean to sound quite so pretentious, but it's true oh. that that there are these three levels. Mm -hmm. And that we all, we have to be in all three of them at once, right? If we can, and acting models that. Mm -hmm. There's the character, there's the actor, the actor, and there's you, right? And the inner is the most important in some sense, right? But we want to avoid that because it starts to hurt, <laughs> hurt too much, right? Which is also what teaching is about. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, at Columbia, what I taught was directing actors for film. Wow. Which is a whole separate it's a whole issue. separate monster than yeah, theater and, or... Yeah. yeah. And a lot of people came into the situation knowing how to do it, you know, what it is. Right. But they have no idea. And most people... Do, for one thing, people think <laughs> actors are pretending. Mm-mm. But you uh, you know, but no. you know, actors are not pretending. They're having an experience. Yeah. They're having the character's experience as much as they can. Right. Now, that doesn't mean it, it, they're not on a certain... In fact, it means that on a certain level, you got to be mm-hmm. giving your essence to the character. Right. Letting the character live for however long it is. But it's amazing to me that, see, I can't... That's why it's great that you're you're a teacher. Like I can't really articulate that to another actor or right on. I, I say recently that I love I love between action and cut. Yeah. You know that it's yeah. but I can't really explain what that is. It's like uh, you're in a moment and yeah. I don't know. It's just I can't explain it. Ryan, I totally understand. Um, but that's—I mean, I do. I mean, that's what actors. That's understand. what you live for. Something that. about that. And when it goes right, or even if it goes wrong, whatever happens. Yeah. In that moment, you have this sort of like. I wanted to actually say something about that because we were talking about theater and that vibe. But I spent twenty years of my life on sets yeah. with fairly re- fair fair regularity, and I love. That. I do too, and I pine for it. I'm trying to get back. We're on getting, the set. you're getting back to it, yeah, yeah. And and it's taken a while because it sort of faded for me. Mm-hmm. And I also got to a place in the '80s where I felt like they'd made up their minds. Mm. I wasn't going to carry a movie, mm. but you, if you put me in the background, it's confusing. It's distracting, right? And uh, you pull focus, yeah. And and I get it. And I also, I was married to a woman who did not want to stay in L.A. Mm -hmm. And we had these two little girls. And I didn't, neither one of us particularly wanted them to grow up in L.A. Right. I I get that. It's intense for for a girl. Especially back then, I think it was even more. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not that it's not now, but I would have followed her to the Antarctica, you know. So we went You made that decision to... Go back and east. I thought I want to direct theater more <clears throat> anyway, and I'm sick of this, and I don't want to audition. I've been auditioning since I was 18. Uh, it was like enough already. If you go in one more room, ah! yeah, 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 yeah. So I sort of made it go fallow, mm-hmm. and then when I came back to LA and want to get back to it, I've been acting constantly in the theater, right. literally since I got back, yeah. one thing to the next, and it's been great, but. In the old days, that would have meant I would have started getting action. That's not how it works anymore. Right. It's a different beast now. <laughs> totally. It's hard to take yourself out, even though you didn't really, you yeah. never stopped acting. No, but. But it's the business. You know, it's it's the business. And it's changed a lot. We talked about the yeah, corporations yeah. came in. Yeah. The four corporations own everything. And, and, and favored nations and all that and stuff. And you've got to, four people have to decide if you can say one line and, you know, so. It's, but you're in a perfect example. That's why I want actors listening to understand that it is a journey. It's a, it's a marathon. Just keep doing your work. I always say if you just hang in there, if yeah. you don't leave, you yes. know, and I mean, leave. everyone else dies. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Last a, man standing. I have a friend, she's 94. She's yeah. an actress and oh. she used to around 85. She started really reading the obituaries because sure. she goes, I go, Oh, you're losing friends. She goes, no, I'm losing. The competition is thin. <laughs> God love her. I was like, yes. Uh, well, I, I, that is something that's happened. I mean, I've not, you know, Jack died. That was a big moment for me. Yeah. As I think I told you, uh, Winger and I found him. Right. And it's one of the most exalting, beautiful, centering, incredible gift. The Jack gave me so many gifts, but this one, because he knew right. we were coming up. He planned, not planned it, but no, he stayed, I mean. He knew it. Yeah. And and if he felt okay about sitting down and singing his death song, and that's it. And he knew. He knew we would be do, found. We would he come would up be there found, and we'd. Take care of things. We better. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
And we, it did. We both went, okay, let's do this right. And we did. Tell, every, tell the hmm. listeners how you and where you and Deborah Winger forged your hmm. friendship and bond. And Well, we met before she was playing Wonder Woman's little sister. I mean, <laughs> way was, the back. Yeah. She was a girlfriend of a beautiful man that, uh, named Andy Rubin, a great actor. Um, she was, he, you know, the first time I saw her, she was playing, I, I was sitting out for some reason, volleyball on the beach. And you can imagine. <laughs> I went, oh, God. Wow. And I loved her ever since. And um, we were in the same circle. And you were acting then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, yeah. and she saw Coyote, too. You know? Oh, wow. I mean, we were friends. Her, my first wife and she became best friends. And um, there was just a circle of friends that have never lost contact, or she, certainly she and I. Um, and then uh, Jim wrote mm. Mike's Murder for us. Right. And, you know, that, there, that scene was 20 minutes long originally. It wow. was third of the wow. five, third of the movie. Uh, and um, having that experience together, we all already knew each other very well. Right. But, Which I think really helped, right? Oh, I no mean, question. We 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 absolutely trusted each yeah. other, and to take it as far as it could be taken. And interestingly, there was a sexual dynamic that we didn't notice mm. really until we went to loop it. Oh, interesting. Because there was a gap. We, uh, you know, there we resh we reshot some of the movie. Okay. It, it, they op they they tested it and it wasn't quite right. Jim was not happy with the mm -hmm. way the story was coming across. And so over the next, I think it was probably like eight months, uh, it, it, my character had to grow. It had to be, he needed something to cut to. Cut to. And he didn't have it. No. Right. I just burst into the movie and they're going like, who is that? Sort of like Daryl. <laughs> sort of like Daryl. <laughs> and that's how he had it planned. Right. And, um, he was telling me something about myself, mm. just like Sal did all the shows right. earlier, saying like, okay, look at this. If you go left, this is where so you're going. You're going that way, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and he knew I had that dark place I could go mm -hmm. to. Um, okay, so he writes this for all three of us, Paul Winfield and Deborah and me. The parts were written for wow. us. And so we get down there, and it's like, okay, where would you go, <clears throat> Daryl? Pete, if you were in this jam. And I'd worked at the West Beach. I still had friends at the West Beach Cafe. And I said, well, I'd go and sell some of it. Got a big bag of Coke. Right. And that's why they're chasing me. And that's why they killed Mike. We stole this Coke. And, and uh, I said, well, I'll go to the West Beach, sell some of it. Who'd you sell it to? Well, Jim. Jim's an actor. <laughs> So that's what we did. Right. That was the scene. Right. And it was all in the neighborhood where I actually lived. Oh, wow. Uh, where I, maybe I'd go sleep there in that in that house being constructed. I could, I, we figured out. You're almost like dramaturging totally. the script. I mean, the to story. He and, and I were figuring out what would happen. <clears throat> and in the neighborhood in which we lived. And uh, including their beautiful house up on Skyway, that Frank Lloyd Wright house that they lived in all those years uh there so it was it's very organic for incredibly sure incredibly organic and i've never had that experience since except with the coyote things right but um what an up and and the thing that movie has not Still, gone away no it's got a it has a following but it's got a real it, following yeah everyone should check it out mike's murder mike's murder james Bridges. what year was that uh, 1984. Wow, 84. Uh, or it holds yeah. up. It holds oh, up. Oh, yeah. It when does. you think about what <laughs> that was about, especially today, yeah. yeah, everyone check that out, seriously. Well, also, I want to watch that again. It now. has a heart in it. Yeah. We, it mattered to all of us. There was a real kid. Yeah, it's your baby. That, no, no, I mean, there was a I mean, Mike. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who this all happened to. And wow. It, the, whole, the whole scene, we're heartbroken. At this, because he was a sweet, sweet kid. He just got wrapped, wrapped up, up in all in, this. Yeah. And then we, you know, he got killed. What? He got killed. Mm. Oh, no. Because it's sort of like going back to 
to Saligan, the scene ate him up. Right. He was from Idaho or Iowa or something. And Midwest. And Paul picked him up hitchhiking and brought him to L.A. And what? <laughs> <laughs> wow. So it was an examination of what was going on in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I had a line in it where I'm like holding up this bag of Coke and I say, this is all that matters. Mm. That's what they call it. This isn't the only thing that matters. And that's what it was like there for a while. Yeah. So, yeah. So (laughs) in terms of that, the whole drug scene in the business at the time. Yes. um, So you were here, what year did you... (laughs) <laughs> Not you, no, but I mean, what yeah, year did you get to LA? Late sixties for college, right? Like, yeah, sixty-eight to because everything. I lived in Hollywood. the drug scene changes too, <sighs> you know. But it was well, so did the sex, a, love, and free everything in I the sixties. Yeah, I was a flat-out hippie, right? And I was working in the business, but I was also hitchhiking all over America, right? With you know a hippie, yeah. And that scene, when you know the acid period of it, going to in high school, going to the hate. And, I was going to mention oh, Hate yeah. Ashbury in San Hang, Francisco. Hanging on the weekends and come rolling back. Oh, yeah, because you're in Sa- Sacramento. Sacramento. You're not that far. No, we'd go there. Yeah. And, you know, trip. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> the whole weekend and then come back rolling into class. The capital. <laughs> oh, right in I, you know, oof. This is, and that was kind of a glorious period. Right. But when the hard drugs came, mm. started hitting, heroin and stuff and and speed is what we call right. it then uh yeah um it the whole flavor changed i mean the, overnight the hate we get yeah. a different place and 69 ultima right manson manson all that stuff the went, dark the real woo! darkness came in yeah yeah and and that was part of what the movie was about mm-hmm. was uh that the I don't know, man. There's that darkness in people. That... Well, and also, like, you transitioned very well into episodic and television, you know, telev- like you said, yeah. you were already, when you were at Universal, you got yeah, your yeah, feet yeah. wet with all the stuff. I was introduced, and congratulations, boy, I got one of those, and introducing. I've yeah. already done all they kinds don't do of that anymore. No, they you never don't. see that. But anymore. Aaron Spelling wanted to do that for me. I'm sure he did. Yeah. Well, he was a sweet guy. Sweet guy. And he believed in me. Yeah. And that was the great thing about that. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I deserved it. <laughs> but you see, you really, you really met really powerful, and I put that in quotations, yeah, but yeah. powerful personalities, powerful in the business. Yeah, yeah. But they were all very nurturing. Very. Very nurturing. Yeah. No, I, I've met very few assholes. Yeah. And, and even they... <laughs> you won them over eventually. No, well, I mean, I could name. I mean, Bruce Willis. Oh, well, everybody. I mean, oh my God! What, what is his problem when you think about it? Inflation. Yeah. You know, he got so so fast, and he was such a hip kind of kind of fun guy. I know he got then, very self right, pompous, and yeah, boom. Inflation is the big problem, hmm. and and some people resisted. Brad Pitt, for instance, yeah. Has, it, has managed to survive all that yeah, and, and not get all inflated. I, I, I don't know Leonardo DiCaprio, but he seems like that too. Yeah. They're serious actors, really. But like you said, the, and I say this a lot of times too, I, it, it, I think it's the minority of people that are assholes. I totally agree with I, But that. I also think it's an insecurity with a lot of them. A lot of them are really talented yeah. too. Yeah. They're so talented. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but um, they're insecure in terms of like... Well, and I think that's a good thing. It can be. Stay in the question. Right. That's really what Or maybe they don't think they deserve, they're not very... Nope. De- Absolutely. Nobody They don't does. think they deserve it. Nobody does. That's true. Once you look but at it, what is it about us actors who really fight that, I think? We need to be seen. So many of us are t- making up for yeah, stuff. Yeah, got, got some kind of hole my mom left when I was four. Yeah. Well then, how does Meryl? No how does Meryl Streep do it? There's a, that's you know, such a great question. You know, she. There's always that those well, few that you go. But I bet you, if you really, well, you know, I know her. her. Yeah. And for instance, uh, when I was helping to run a theater in Nyack, uh, and in, where I lived in New York, you know, up the river from New York, beautiful City. area, great place. I love the town. And we were trying to start a performing arts center in the middle of town. Wow. And 
we got pretty fucking. We got pretty. You can close. say whatever. On oh, here. Okay. <laughs> anyway, we in order to sort of as we were getting rolling, uh, this great guy Elliot Forrest, who was the as a DJ on the classical station in New York, and w- between us. Rolodexes were used to be happening, but between us, our Rolodexes covered the business. Right. So we started asking people to come out and just have conversations. And Elliot was a great interviewer, and Jonathan Demme lived in mm. the town, and so conversations could really be substantive and interesting. So you know, Alec Baldwin came out, and uh, uh, I brought Mike Nichols out, mm. and Edward Albee came out, wow. and Merrill. I, I said, well, you know, would would you do this? And she, here's what she said. Well, I don't want to talk about myself. But, and I said, well, how about tell us who influenced you? And she said, oh, that would be fun. And I said, I'll get clips and we'll show the clips. And you can say, what, you know. So the talking about who influenced her and who she wanted to tip a hat to mm. Kim Stanley wow Greta Garbo mm. Barbara Stanwyck Monty yeah and, and Paul Newman had just died so oh, we oh. you know she you know had not thought but then realized right. well I love him right and we showed the scene where he he talks to God in Cool Hand Luke mm. it's not exactly prayer right but it is real right and 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 you can see, because Paul was, I worked with him too once. He was utterly and completely sincere and authentic. Mm-hmm. He didn't make a move without knowing, right. coming from the truth. Right. And my best friend in the world, Mike Ontkeen, uh was in Slapshot, obviously, right. and gave me a lot of insight. The thing I worked on was... One of those Irwin Allen disaster picks oh, with all these stars. I, which one? Uh, went, uh, I loved them all. The, the volcano one. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know. Uh, I can't remember. William yeah. Hold is in oh, it. Oh, those Jackie were like. Bessette and Ernest Borg. Towering Inferno. Yeah, all those were yeah. just like when cla- time, Poseidon Adventure. When Time Runs Out, I think it was oh, called. Oh, my God. I love it. Uh, and, and Alex Karras. And, you know, it was just a joy. Wow. To be on that set, and everybody was so much fun. And, and Paul liked the corniest jokes possible. <laughs> and he'd have a new one every day, you know. <laughs> um, but Mike actually worked with him intimately. Right. And that's one of the great films. Yeah. That, that strip that Mike does on the ice, that's a great moment in film history. Right. And it, it, so the thing about all those guys, though, is they didn't, they resisted inflation. Mm-hmm. And they resisted taking themselves too seriously. Seriously, I like Meryl. I like well, what so Meryl was like. I'm not because you know there's yeah. that cliche that actors just want to talk just about want to themselves talk about this, and the, totally narcissistic. And also, she didn't do stuff like that, right? So to have her come out, trust me enough, and care about it enough to come out and sit there. Jonathan did the, right. the conversation, and they loved each other. I knew she'd trust him. But we made a list, and I got the clips. And we did it, and people came from Paris, man. Was that filmed anywhere? I mean, was it, it ever? It, it was recorded. Okay. And the Mike, the one that Mike did, uh, was so phenomenal. And he did talk about himself, but interestingly, <laughs> but he's funny. Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh my goodness! And the fact that I got to be friends oh with my this God. man, it's like okay, man, you better be grateful for where your life took us. But he showed a scene that he wanted to point out of French tennis woman of Merrill. Mm. And he, he pointed out exactly what it is about her that sets her apart. And, and the thing was, when, you know, Jeremy Irons has been searching for her for right. 20 years, he finds her and she's kind of, you know, she's loose about it. Yeah. And he throws her down. And when they did it for real, her, she hit her head hard. Ooh. And you can see it. And here's what she does that's so her. She laughs. <laughs> but doesn't leave the scene. Right, right. right. Be, because the, the, the woman who she's acting in the movie right. and the actress who she's acting in the movie, here's that three her thing. Things. And herself, they all thought it was funny. Funny. The, how dramatic. Right. Being. 
<laughs> and it completely disarms the Jeremy Irons character. Right. And nothing stops. And in fact, you suddenly go, oh, that just happened on a whole other level of But that's real. the kind of stuff that happens. She didn't that, point that out, that though. you can't she, plan. You know? That's right. Yeah. You, so she has a perfect balance of, of spontaneity mm-hmm. and clarity of intent. Right. That's, to me, what actors want to do. They want to get it right <clears throat> like that. And then live in, live in the, the moment right. Let in, anything in all happen, that. but know what you want. So anyway, yeah. we do this evening. And she's spectacular. And, you know, I I came out. She kissed me in front of 500-something people. I'm like, okay, I can die now. You're done. Good but night. But we walk off stage, and the first thing she says was, do people really want to hear me talk about acting? And I believe that's – but that's, that's what, what people love about her. Modesty. No, no. But that's the insecurity she has is like she will not make a big deal about herself. Right. She will not. not. So yeah. back back yeah. to my point, there yeah. there there are those actors that didn't come from a fucked up childhood. Yes. you know what I mean. Yes. that that aren't. But trying to has. wrong or right. However, as just human beings, yeah. we everybody innate, has a shadow. Right. I don't care how perfect you yeah. are. Yeah, everyone's got a mask on, and they've been hurt. Yeah, on some level, and I don't know what Merrill's is. I know her brother too, and they're. Perf- really pretty steady right. people, but they do have shadows mm-hmm. that they're not afraid of. Right. And so do I. And and to my peril. Uh, but, and you know, the best people are the people that stay in touch with that. Right. But also shine a light on it. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. Somebody read my tarot and she said, hmm, your, your job is to bring the shadow into the light. Mm. And that has been true. That's I mean, true. Pete's the ultimate example. Right. Of that. Uh, and I, I've sought out those those people. I played the in a play last year. I played Hades, the god of Literally. the underworld. And my my ex wife says I can't recall her ex, but she said, "Well, who else would they get?" <laughs> but, but also did a play at the Odyssey, which last year that was one of the great experiences of my life. Uh, by Strindberg mm. called The Dance of Death. And it's a guy who has screwed up his life through his... Self. Yeah, and his volatility and his... I can really relate to that. And his daughter won't talk to him in his 24th year mm. of his marriage and they're just tearing each other apart. And he's dying. Mm. And he wants to pull it... He wants to pull the marriage back into shape. Coming up to their 25th anniversary, I left my wife in the 24th year of our marriage. Wow. And, but I chose to do this play without even noticing all those parallels. Right. And my God, what an experience. Another not accident, you know. It, of course. Coincidence it, it, or whatever. Yeah, I just didn't register it quite. Life imitating art. Yes. But I needed to do that play. And I'd had it in my mind for years because I saw a production on Broadway of Ian McKellen mm. and... Um, uh, oh my mind, Helen Mirren. Oh wow! And it wasn't very, and David Strathern, and it wasn't very good. Kind of laid there, mm. and I thought I could play that guy. Yeah. And so Ron Saucy at the Odyssey. God, Ron's been around. The Odyssey's been there. We both have. I've known him all these years. Yeah. He calls me up and he he saw me in the Gary plays, another play of Murray's, a cycle of plays of Murray's. Again, full circle. Right. Here I am playing, and there's three Garys in those plays, and I'm the old Gary, the you know the final Gary. So I play Coyote to, you know, so whatever. He Iran saw it, and he said, called me up, and he said, "Hey, you know what? I think you you got all right at this." Um, Did he direct it? No, no, no. Oh. Guy Zimmerman directed it. No, but he called Call- Ron called me and said, "I he had seen it." Yeah, and he said, "Yeah, you got pretty good at this." Um, what do you want to do? <laughs> That's Ron. He said, what do you want to do? You might have a career in all this. Yeah, you might get pretty good at this. Uh, it's been 50 years, but um, what do you want to do? And I said, dance to death. Mm. He went, really? Have you re- read the Connor McPherson version? I said, no. And it it's playable. It's actable. Connor McPherson has a zest right. and a humor. 
And so it's not slogging. So this was not the version. This was different than the version Ian McKellen had seen do. And if they can't make it work, no human being on earth can. But this, I read this thing. I said, and for some reason, I didn't really care about the version. I just felt I could play that guy. Right. And Ron said, yeah. And within a couple of weeks, we were casting it. Wow. And that was an incredible experience. And uh, Jeff LeBeau... And and um, please don't do this to me. <laughs> I love her. You I, don't listen. Uh, anyway, it's okay. The the woman was Lizzie Kimball. Okay. Whew. Oh, that would have been awful. You pull that right out. Yeah, man. The last uh, minute. The, the we were really good. We were a, tr- a really interesting trio again in a lot of three. If if it's if it's the energy is right, there's no stopping it. Just goes like goes that. Right, yeah. And. I've been in a couple of menage a trois that were like that too. <laughs> yeah. Um, Save it for the book. Because it's not this. It's right. like, <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's all through the book. Believe me, man. Um, I've been writing. That's your story. You. Oh, that's right. That's Daryl Larson. <laughs> but keep, be careful. Well, and that's evolution. <clears throat> that's elevating. That's going in the right direction. Yeah. It's this yeah. that gets into a problem. When, right. you, when you sink, when you give in to gravity. Right. And I've been there a couple of times where I kind of went, okay, I could die now. But no. Yeah. I'm not going to, not yet. And what for whatever reasons, my kids were, right. yeah. in one particular case, it, I was really close. Yeah. Uh, in, in the last tango, Brando says, uh, when you're looking right up in the asshole of death, you know, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> there's a guy, also bisexual. Yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, I've done, I've been there mm. and it's a decision. Well, all of that, but like we yeah. said, that that's just fueling this next chapter of your artistic life. I certainly hope so. Right. Well, no, it and is. And I trust. Yeah. yeah well, it is. It. It's already yeah. happening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to ever stop acting. No, never. And teaching and I? directing. <laughs> and Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah. And I hope to direct this coming year because I acted all along and I started thinking, in the last couple of years, and I started thinking, I kind of direct now. Yeah, and that led me into some uh, into some projects that exploded, mm. which, which they do uh, in the last few months, and um, that made me, you know, stay in my room and go, okay, what what do you want to do? Right, and how do you want to let that? Don't again, I let things take me in a way, mm-hmm. and to not do that, right. <laughs> Jack is protecting me. <laughs> he wanted me to have this uh, this little talisman, oh, wow. the specific one, uh, and he, I d- never take it off. Or basically, right? I never take it off because I just know that you know I got some allies. You got a lot of angels it's taking care you. of me. You know, yeah. like, now whether that's true or not doesn't I matter. It. Yeah, believe or not. I mean, Whatever. I don't necessarily believe it. Well, but it but, but it, it fuels you and it gives right. you comfort and I, it yeah. does. And it it somehow I, it gives it gives the comfort comes from thinking even when bad things happen, mm-hmm. there were probably a good. Yeah, I'd probably have a, a you know when that thing exploded, I I woke up the next day tremendously relieved. Yeah, right. Going okay, I that backed myself not- into another corner, man, uh, and. When you're in that, it's like a miscarriage. It was like, yeah, it was kind of not supposed to happen. Not really, not really. I, I was ahead of myself. Yeah, and but see, you only get that now because you're older. We don't. We have to get older sometimes. To, I, oh, absolutely. I'm to starting to get that. a glimmer of it. Um, no, I think it's true that that um, there's that those stages of life, right? And if you're paying attention. And are open to it. That's true. You know, you okay, good, good. Time for to to sit, right? Be silent a little bit, and really, you know. Uh, so one thing I knew I wanted to do was get back on a set, yeah, and be back in that pool, right? But getting in, as we were t- saying, is not as easy as it used to be. And I'm 68 years old, and I never really made it. <laughs> well, mean, in, in the way we're t- going but, back to what you said, you right. have expectations, right? When you first, you know, get here, right? And they're grandiose, uh huh. And they then they seem to happen, and then they don't. 
Right. Well, that's like, that feast or famine. Well, you know. and Mike's murder, for instance. Right. Uh, the, the people, I mean, CAA signs me and everybody's going, okay, that's the greatest thing since cream. And Dick Moodmark, people start mentioning. <laughs> and I got to meet him years mm. later and got to be pretty friendly with him too. And I, I, you know, felt like, look at his, I mean, he, he had an incredible career. Right. But when he started out, he was just this crazy guy who right. scared people. So the comparison to me was, Apt, right? Uh, <laughs> I did this reading series at the Met once we'd sort of taken over that theater at, on Oxford. That's Oxford, and this literary series. I'd bring writers in because through Bill Styron, right. whose daughter I married, I knew all <laughs> these great writers and met some on my own too, right. Dennis Johnson and Sam Shepard, and and uh, so I have this op this way of getting to know all these. Some the best writers of our time. Wow. So I got them to come down and just the right actors. And, you know, Roddy McDowell read Christopher Isherwood. I mean, it went on and on. Because, wow. again, I could basically get to almost anybody. Right. If I wanted to do Myra Breckenridge, I call Raquel Welsh. She came yeah. down and read it. Wow. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Um, but in doing that, Wait, I lost track for a second. Well, when what, you what we were talking, I'm sorry. Well, we were talking about you yeah. wanting to get back on in a set, in yeah. a, back in the yeah. set, yeah, but, yeah. And and you felt you had not, you didn't make it like you yeah, yeah. thought you were going to make it exactly. But I'm saying you did make it. Yeah. it just wasn't the way exactly you thought it was going to look. Right, and yeah. so to do something like that, I if I hadn't had those years, and that because in the business, right. I may not have made it, but I'm respected. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and partly from the directing work. Yeah. Uh, directing Sam's plays and and with Ed Harris and other really and you know, people have been Well when you put yeah. the Met the that yeah. group together the Met, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't it Holly Hunter? Was she part of the group? You had Ed Harris? J- Jimmy Amy, Gammon or Jimmy Gammon and Tim Scott. Tim Scott, that's right. Were I was the trying two, to think. Two of the greatest men I ever met. Yeah. And the fact that they dug me, because they're like cowboy actors. Right. You know, they, a whole other masculinity. And the fact that they dug me gave me such uh, faith, faith. In, in myself. And and I felt like, okay, well, then I can be this weird-ass <laughs> guy. And, and, and I'm still going to be embraced right. in all of the communities. Right. And so they resurrected the Met from the little place on Poinsettia and invited people that they'd known over the years that they wanted to do a theater with. And so Ed and Amy Madigan and Holly and Arliss Howard. Beth Henley, was she part? Beth Henley and Alfre Woodard. And I mean, we had a a synergy. Yeah. Um, And I I saw Ed, didn't Ed do a Shepherd piece there? Well, we know it was a Murray piece. It was called Scar. Oh, right. That's what it was. Oh, I directed that. I saw that, yeah. Yeah, well, that was one of the greatest things that's any ever, of us yeah. were ever going to be part that of. That was amazing. But that was, you know, the, the writer of Coyote. Yeah. And Ed and I met doing another of Murray's plays called Are You Looking? Mm. That was about going getting off drugs. Right. And so, um, David Irving, um, Amy's brother and Jules' son, and you know, <laughs> Uh, he was helping to produce the thing, and uh, Helen Shaver was the woman in it. And, right. Uh, it, it was an amazing group, but I was having trouble getting somebody who could shoot up in the first scene and, you know, on the toilet, you know, on speed. And, you know, I needed somebody who could really go there. Right. And I tried a few people, and they quit. Mm. It was hard, this play. Yeah. Brutal. Brutal. And... So, and David said, you know, I knew a guy at CalArts who could do this. And he said, you know, he lives in San So I went down and knocked, you know, it had been set up, but I hand the script to him. The guy comes to the door and I went, oh, God, I hope he does this. And then within an hour, he had called and said, "I'm yeah. Wow. And he showed up in costume, you know. <laughs> and there he is. And, and uh, Murray's sitting there and he leans over after like two minutes and said, this fucking guy's a genius. So that was Ed. Then we did Cowboy Mouth. 
Okay. That and Sam happened to be in town. We did Action and Cowboy Mouth, uh, a double bill, and I was in Action, and David directed it, and uh, a great actor named John Deal was his first play, and Cowboy Mouth. I said, Sam, you got to come see this guy. And <laughs> same, same bit. He just went, what? And wrote, went home and wrote Fool for Love. Oh. Which the character's name is Eddie. I mean, they bonded right. in a way. And one of my claims to fame is I introduced these guys. It's amazing. And so the B, that's like, synergy. It, it, it's like, uh, who's like Forrest Gump All right. <laughs> <laughs> or Zelig. Zelig. Yeah, know, yeah. This guy yeah. keeps cropping up, you know? Wow. Uh, but so to be, you went to this too, all those years later in terms of full circle, mm-hmm. this tribute to Sam. Yeah. That Guy Zimmerman and the Padua folks said, well, you got to do this. And I was uniquely positioned to do something that nobody else could do. Right. That that our community could come together because Sam was initial right. initially the you know one of the people that drew people to Padua. Yeah, I mean he lent his name, yeah, and yeah. charisma and all of that because he loved Murray. He'd yeah. known all these people all his life. They came up together in New York. Yeah, so uh, so to to be able to now after all these years. Pay tribute to a guy who, in 1968, somebody handed me a woman, actually, a, a girl I was really interested in. She hands me this play, and she says, "You got to read this." And it was Icarus's mother, mm-hmm. and I went, my Whoa. my head exploded. I went, "I want to do this guy's work for the rest of my life. Right. This is my man." Yeah. And then I met Murray, who then introduced me to Sam, and then. The four, basically, I've been doing that all these years. No accidents. No accidents. And then here we are. I'm I'm able to really, from my own personal way, but helping everybody say, this guy made a difference in so many lives. Right. Not just American theater, but personally. Mm. And, And in doing it, I realized, you know what? He never said no to me. Right. Ever. Ever. And, and, you know, his sister Sandy said, yeah, but he trusted you. Mm-hmm. He didn't trust all that many people. Right. But I was not cognizant of that. It's just like Not at I, the time. And no, now, I, now no, it was you just are. us. It was right. our friendship. Right. Uh, I was just thinking a funny story the other day of Helen and her husband, Steve Ruther, who uh, repped uh, Sam as an actor for a while. Um, I get this call. Ruth says, hey, Sam's in town. He wonder if you want to come over. And I didn't think that way about it. I was always like, right. does he like me? I mean, I just I had such a crush on him for one thing. <laughs> so I go over, we're hanging out, and this, this woman that I knew pretty well, um, Beverly, came, heard that Sam was there and came over because everybody wants to right. be in the room with this guy. And, but when she went out to leave, her car wouldn't start. Mm. And... And she was kind of dithered about it. And, and Sam said, we'll take care of that. And he sort of gestured to me. And we, we walked out, and he said, get in, turn it over. And she get in, started right up. And he looks at me and said, good job. <laughs> and we, we turned and went back in. But it was like the two guys, we could take care of it just Let by looking at it. You know? Little lady. <laughs> right, step aside, little lady. We'll take. But that's what I mean. He had a... Yeah, you know, uh, one time in New York, uh, as he's leaving, he says, um, "Well, next time I see you, I'll be there." <laughs> <laughs> well, that see, that's him. That might be a good play. Unfortunately, uh, the yeah, hour yeah, has it, completely. I, I know, man. We need like four hours, four more. Seriously, yeah. well, but that's a great back. line to end I the know interview. It is. Next time I see you, I'll be there. I'll be there. Thank you, <laughs> Sam Shepard. Well, Daryl, this has been amazing. It's really been fun. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, tell everyone where they can follow you on social media. Do you Uh, you want them to stalk you on Facebook? Come on, come on. (laughs) I'm almost at 5,000 friends, so getting (laughs) soon. Oh, hurry. And, you know. Do Twitter? No, man. Okay. And I don't Instagram. Okay. And all those apps just, I I don't want people to be on their phones like that. But they can get you on Facebook. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. And and you'll help me get a website. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I got a lot of 
writing I've been doing yeah. that I've been recording some of it. Good. That whole 50th reunion and its aftermath. That's exciting. That, that, and it's beautiful. Yeah. A friend of mine put music on it. Oh, good. Yeah, so it's, it's on SoundCloud. Oh, perfect. You okay. can go to SoundCloud and... All right. Well, everyone, yeah. check. Just first of all, Google Daryl D A R R E L Larson. You'll see two L's. Two L's sorry, yeah. God. No, no, no. That's another who friend cares? of mine. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you'll see who we're talking about if you don't uh, know already. Although the IMDb thing, I wish I could change it because the things that the little film things they put up are it's not, not what you want. <laughs> we can change that. Can we? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, we are on a mission here. All, All right. right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Until Thank next you time. So much, folks. Peace out. Bye. Thanks for checking out One on One with Jasper Cole. Check out past episodes and get the latest as they're released. Subscribe today on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance.